You are a student in academia. It doesn't have to be in the West. It could be anywhere in the world. You are an extremely smart student. Age doesn't matter. You can be a very smart student in this particular example in chemistry, in physics, in any field of the sciences, even philosophy for crying out loud. You're in one particular class in a university in a certain part of the world. And the reason I say it like that is because you're so intelligent that you've been offered many scholarships. You've been offered to go to many different universities, whether it's for temporary visitation. Forgive me, I don't know the proper terminology that's used when someone is so freaking smart that many different you know, professors and universities want to speak to this individual. Maybe it's not the case. But the point is, is that you're traveling the world simply because your intelligence is so up to par with that of the likes of Nobel Prize winners, that there is a strong potential for you to become an extremely inquisitive, um, we could say, intellectual person, but you're just not there yet. Of course, you're still a student. And one can argue that even after you graduate from being a student, in terms of life in general, the journey never really ends, so to speak. But you're in one particular class, and you see something being discussed with respects to what's called the sine wave. And what ends up happening is this particular professor draws on their chalkboard or their puts up on their screen or projector this particular sort of oscillation of energy, if you will. What this oscillation represents could mean anything, doesn't have to be specific. You end up raising your hand in this, this, um, this room, this classroom, and you essentially say, Professor, Forgive me, but there seems to be a very strong correlation between what we're seeing here with respects to the sine wave and the function that's been commonly and verbally and visually depicted as the serpent or the serpent rope, as many of our ancestors allegedly called such, in addition to the correlation of such movement being depicted on cave drawings, being depicted in ancient writings, uh, whether in a mathematical sense, you know, geometrical, whether even in a spiritual sense, or even in a sort of alchemical, occult-based sense, you see this all over the place, right? And you start saying, I think there may be something with respects to what our ancestors understood or potentially understood, and maybe there's something there that is, you know, um, potentially right under our noses, Professor, without us realizing. So you bring this up in front of the whole class and the professor ends up essentially going quiet and basically says in a sort of muttering under their breath saying, oh, well, maybe, you know, good question, you know, ma'am or sir, so and so, and they continue teaching what they're teaching. Now, what ends up happening after that class is over is you're leading, leaving the classroom or the auditorium and basically you're pulled aside by one of the teach, teacher's assistants of the particular professor whom you brought this particular topic up to. And basically you're told, listen, you got to go back to your country, basically, you know, your home, uh, your home country, essentially, um, you will not be granted any, you know, uh, I guess you could say sincerities or benefits of going from one university to another anymore. And you say, how come? And then you say to yourself, how does this professor that I said one thing to even have the power to do this to me? I thought I was visiting them. I didn't think that they had the, the ability to be able to control what universities I can or cannot go to or appear to or speak at or, or learn from, you name it. Long story short, the teacher's assistant basically looks at you and says, listen, you know what you did. You got to stop because you're getting too close. Now, you genuinely don't know what you did. You're trying to make a correlation in a public academic forum that helps to correlate a lot of what's been depicted from our ancestors, allegedly, right, in various forms, and what is called the sine wave. So with that said, 
Hopefully that example wasn't too long and hopefully that resonates with a lot of you folks in a plethora of areas. But essentially today's emergency broadcast episode is called using ESP sine waves, extrasensory perception sine waves to hybridize control mechanisms via superpositioning. So I do wanna say that this will definitely be available for the members days before this goes public. We do have a Substack and a Patreon, davez.substack.com. In addition to patreon.com forward slash generation Z. It is the only way uh, because we don't run ads on the channel, uh, whether uh, in video form or audio form, it is the only way that we can be supported and that we continue to be supported of which I'm extremely grateful for. With that said, let's define everything that we've that I just read out and that you see in the title of this video or this episode accordingly, because if we don't define it, then there's no point in even diving into this. So let's take a look here. As we see, investopedia.com, sine wave, definition, what it's used for, example, and causes. A sine wave is a geometric waveform that oscillates, basically vibrates, moves up and down or side to side periodically, and is defined by the function y equals sine x. You don't have to be into math to essentially know this but uh, or understand this, but in other words, it is an S-shaped smooth wave that oscillates above and below zero. Well, we can get into the whole debate is, you know, is there such thing as some type of existence of there being zero or a negative zero with respects to, you know, uh, trigonometry, uh, geometry, mathematics, you name it, even in a philosophical sense, what does that imply in terms of things like absolute truth? But ultimately here, what we'll find is that they are the basis of what are called Fourier decomposition analysis. In other words, long story short, I'm going to sum it up in as of my personal interpretation of such. Basically, the infinite amount of circular rotation that could occur, but each quote unquote layer of said circular rotation, sort of like layers on an onion, has its own context based scenario, situation, and set of events that occur that are directly connected to the layers above and below it but can also act independently if they become disconnected from the layers above and below it, if that makes sense. So with that said, when we think of a sine wave, right, we see here, for example, such oscillations and vibrations occur within nature in general, right? We see this here, again, of course, this was done artificially to denote in the top left this, this beautiful landscape design. But at the same time, we see this within that of the human DNA, uh, you know, um, strand. We see this within that of, again, cymatics, within even dowsing, as a matter of fact, right? We see this with respects to the alleged magnetic vibrations and wave functions of, quote unquote, the vacuum, as we call empty space, if you will, right? Now we think of this and we can make a direct correlation to just a few different images from some different places and areas across a plethora of different time periods around the world. We see some type of correlation to some extent, but with that said, it's not enough for us to go, well, look, there's a snake there and it's doing curves and well, there's a sine wave. Okay, let's call it a day, folks. No, no, no. There's much more to it. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. So let's define now extrasensory perception according to Wikipedia. It is also called the sixth sense, it is a claimed paranormal ability. Now, when we say paranormal, not to split hairs here, but para means something that we're not familiar with. Normal, obviously, we know what that means. So we're not just speaking to a sort of ghost-like, stereotypical, uh, we could say politically oriented rhetoric that occurs when saying paranormal. We're speaking to a vast, uh, we could say plenum or, or palette of phenomena that we can't explain. So we see here extrasensory perception, ESP, also called the sixth sense, is a claimed paranormal ability pertaining to reception of information not gained through the recognized physical senses. 
but sensed with the mind. Dare I say even things like intuition, telepathy, right? We see clairvoyance. Now, how do we explain such or even precognition? things or retrocognition, things occurring before or after they occur in which you did not directly foresee coming in any physical sense relative to the physical apparatuses of our nervous system in which elect electromagnetically send pulsations to the brain in a neural and nodal sense and then harness said nodes and neur uh, neural pathways to then send a signal to us, whether optically, whether chemically or otherwise for us to then increase the propagation of those outcomes to then be called what we call reactions, if you will, right? So how do we explain, however, extrasensory perception? Well, we can't in the sense that in terms of an anthropological, epigenetic, or societal modernization of such depictions and teachings, there really isn't one. There isn't really a school, something in the school system that discusses things like spirituality, if you will, right? A lot of people say, well, how is this person so good at business? Because if they don't have any you know, educational background, a lot of people will say, well, you know, they're, they're a good people person. They can read or feel people very well. What does that mean? We don't really know in terms of any formal definition. Could that be deliberate? Could that in fact be deliberate? Now, why would that be deliberate in any case or in any regard? Well, let's take a look, for example, first and foremost, at when a laser beam is shot at a glass prism. The prism itself, this is something I've discussed on interviews I've appeared on, shows I've appeared on recently as well, of which I'm very grateful for uh, being able to appear on said shows. But if we have a square glass prism or you know a triangular glass prism, if we shot a laser beam at the prism, what will happen is the light as it's going through the prism begins to curve. The more beams and the more you know adjustments made to this tabletop experiment, if you will, the more of a curvature tends to happen and I guess you could say become more visible and experiential for those in the prism. The more that occurs, we'll take a look at some more images here as well, right? You shoot a beam through it, it starts to bend even more. You shoot another beam in co uh, conjunction with it, it starts to curve even more, right? We're just looking at what happens when one beam is shot. But if more than one is shot and there's more than one prism and you got multiple beams going, one could in fact harness this type of understanding to then create a scenario or situation where whatever is going on to those quote unquote living in this metaphoric, metaphorical example inside the prism cannot experience the way it is occurring from the outside. Perhaps maybe cannot experience said control system, but there is one tool that is natural to all of us that cannot be just pushed away or dismissed, even if we are in the prism in this example. And I don't mean to liken the prism to that of a gateway or that of a trap or anything like this, but I also don't mean to liken it to anything positive either. I'm trying to be neutral. But that one missing key, if you will, that cannot be removed, even when in the prism, is what we would call intuition or extrasensory perception. Funny how that's the thing that is not discussed and or covered in the academic field, particularly within any formal confines. We see, for example, you know, for ex uh, prior to World War II, even prior to World War I, there are texts, even magazines, discussing, you know, what we would now call well, for 10 years ago, people would have called it absolutely ridiculous. Today, it's called quantum physics. But over 100 years ago, they were called things like seances, right? Why do I say all of this? Well, the more we look into what's called quantum physics, and I don't know everything, quite to the contrary, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know crap from crap. But ultimately, we see that at the end of the day, things like, for example, superpositioning, 
Things like, for example, extrasensory perception, the sine wave. Have we not given examples and correlations even in this particular recording of the similarities and correlations made many, many hundreds, if not thousands of years ago? Why is it that I give that I gave an example at the beginning of, of you being a highly respected student, but the second you try and make a correlation to something past, say, the 200-year-old mark, even 100-year-old mark, immediately you get dismissed from the academic field, so to speak? Now, we can say, well, that's stigma, that's dogma, things are changing. Sure, things are changing, but if you want my opinion, not fast enough. Right. So now we've un we understand now extrasensory perception. We understand the mechanisms within the hybridizing of a control field, which is that if one is inside, say, for example, we are living, say, Earth is inside one of these prisms, just hypothetically. What happens if the laser beams from outside of the prisms being shot through into these prisms? are of different, we could say, electromagnetic pulses. They're of different colors as we know them to be. There may even be colors that we're not familiar with, right? That become a different color when shot through the prism. But we would not know of any color of it, how it would look outside the prism because we have never been outside the prism. And if we have, we've perhaps forgotten. And our ancestors are maybe trying to say, hey, by the way, you know, this, this snake stuff and all that, this may be a, a way out or at least understanding a form of what you're experiencing currently in here. Now, again, I don't mean to say we're in any type of prism, but it speaks to this idea of refractive indexes. It speaks to this idea of kinetic friction, electromagnetic correlations with respects to photons and phonons, vector scalar forces, all this kind of stuff that is now being discussed in loop quantum gravity, quantum field theory, you know, all this kind of stuff. There's no other way that it can be correlated back to except for some form of depiction and understanding of what we're viewing here. Now, we can discuss as well with respects to... Um, Another channel, for example, you know, uh, I believe a channel's name is Archaics with respects to the simulation or the simula simulacrum or forgive me if, uh, how to pronounce that. I would say absolutely. We can call it what, whatever we like, lasers, the simulation. Ultimately, we're seeing light being perturbed and manipulated with harmonics and various forms of frequencies and the densification and the plucking of those frequencies, if you will that is occurring, creating experiences inside the prisms in which we may or may not be residing within. Now, with that said, let's take a look finally at the fact that when we look and understand that intuition, even being in layers upon layers of these prisms, cannot, it cannot be something that can be suppressed. Even no matter how many prisms deep you're in, this implies that we are connected to something that is, dare I say, it, the source is outside of the prism, our source. I mean, what do you, you may say, Dave, what do you mean your source, like your hand source? No, no, no. The source of you. If you cut my legs off, my arms off, I'm still me. What makes me me? What is residing with me? Is there a, some type of energetic tether? Is there my, our own version of laser beams or a beam of light within us in a particular part of our physical body? And our body acts as sort of like a medium if you will, or a threshold or a doorway to the other part of where the more, quote unquote, dare I say, realer parts of us occur. And it is not anywhere near this prism whatsoever. Now, let's finish this off with something called the superposition principle. Using your intuition in correlation with others, what we'll find in within that, sticking with that prism example is that we'll see here. I've got to put my glasses on, excuse me. The superposition principle, also known as superposition property, states that for all linear systems, all straight systems, the net response caused by two or more stimuli, two or more stimulating occurrences, 
is the sum of the responses that would have been caused by each stimulus individually. So that if input A produces a response of X, so if putting in A produces X and putting in B produces Y, then putting in A and B together will produce a, a response of X and Y. Interesting. Think about that for a moment. This idea that the net response caused by two or more scenarios is the total response. What you get in is what you put out. Kind of like in life, kind of like this idea. I won't get into karma, but just like, you know, when you're very nice to someone, it's very likely they'll be uh, you know nice to you in return because they're seeing that you're being nice to them first in that initial engagement, right? Does that not remind us of a toroid field? One cannot do without the other. Sort of like putting a microphone next to a speaker and the squealing never stopping. Sort of like an infinite loop, which would speak to things like asymmetry, for example, where if one side needs to rest a little bit, the other side picks up the slack. And then when that side has had enough and the other one is rested up, that one picks up a little bit of what the other one had initially taken on and so on and so forth. Kind of like... When humans come together and our biofield, we know this because of the Washington DC Fusion Center leak from a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request about how the human biofield operates if we wanna stick with US government verification for those that are interested. Now, let's take this one step further and we'll end it here. Let's take it right back full circle to the sine wave and the example given in the, in the, in the metaphorical classroom or auditorium at the beginning of this episode. What I'm going to do here is use a red outline. Let's draw, folks, or let's let's take a look at the outline of. I'm going to use put my glasses on here to be precise, so you folks can see my Da Vinci-like sketches. I'm joking, but um, let's draw the outline of the biofields intersecting. Right now, let's extend what we've seen here. I don't know. Let's just change the color, for example. Let's extend it even more. Right now, if we were to take a, I'm gonna use just a different color to keep it. So we see, we're, we're, I'm not making up things here. We're drawing the intersection lines. You see what I'm saying? Now, some of you may already see where I'm going with this, but then we're just gonna center the focal point of such. Oh, excuse me. And then if we turn it sideways, excuse me one second here there we go if we turn it sideways what we would be seeing is this the sine wave right so again it's interesting to see that just like the toroid fields and just like the human biofields when there's an interaction there's a form of self-reliance whilst there being a um, we could say a simultaneity of their being an allowance energetically of humans being able to operate independently, but stronger when together. With that said, folks, I'd like to wrap it up here. Thank you so very much for giving this a watch or a listen, and we'll catch all of you very, very soon. Cheers.